DJ and PK remind you to join Hans and Scotty G Friday at the warehouse from 10 to 2. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Time to welcome back Andy Bailey, NBA analyst and writer for Bleacher Report. Andy, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? Good. Andy, what is the etiquette? Can Jazz fans chant beat L.A. at the Clippers, or is that like a Laker thing and you're just uh, you're just totally screwing up at that point? Good question. Um, I think they should go ahead and, and chant whatever they want. Push off P might be a little bit more effective, though. <laughs> Wasn't that one that they used against Paul George a couple years ago? Yep. We got people tweeting that at us. You're, 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 you got the vibe of the people. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm partial to that one. Although I, you know, all the uh, Joe Ingles, Paul George content I've seen in the last couple of days actually makes me a little bit nervous. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Paul George. Um, I don't, I don't know what I'm, what I'm trying to say here without sounding terribly biased. But I, I would like to see Joe Ingles get in Paul George's head again. I'll just leave it at that. That's terribly biased. Well, that's an interesting concept of Paul George because watching him play for many years, and particularly this season, I've been saying that if I'm going to draw up a prototypical NBA athlete, it's going to be somebody like Paul George. You know, he's got the height, he's got the wingspan, he's got the agility, he can shoot, he can drive, he can defend. So it seems to me that... You know, he is the classic player in the NBA, but we know he's had his struggles in the postseason. I thought that, particularly playing off Kawhi and not having to be the number one dude, he was pretty doggone good in the first round series. So I'm expecting him to continue that. How do you see it? I think you're probably right. I, I would agree with everything that you said there. Um, and it certainly, he seemed to be setting himself up to be one of the premier guys in the league, especially if you go back to that season where I think he finished third and MVP voting. It seemed like everything was sort of coming together for him. Um, and I don't, there are, there are mental aspects of the game that are harder to analyze, I think, for anybody than the objective statistical type stuff. And there does seem to be a little bit of a mental block with him in the postseason. Um, it seems to, to basically go back to when he dubbed himself playoff P. Uh, I, I don't know if those two things are related or what, but he certainly had great moments as a playoff performer with the Pacers. Um, it's just been pretty inconsistent since then. Now, like you said, he was decent in the first round against Dallas. I'm sure he would like to shoot better than 31% from three, but his his basic numbers look pretty good. And when you've got Kawhi on your team and, and Kawhi is going to command – at the very least, the best perimeter defender, um, and at certain times probably double teams. It's going to make it easier for Paul George to get good looks. Um, so maybe this is the postseason that he breaks out of whatever slump that he's been in the last few years because, like you said, in terms of physicality, what you want out of wings in today's game, um, just pure talent level, he, he should be one of the best players in the league. And, and statistically, he has been. Um, it's just that there does seem to be a little bit of a bugaboo with him in the playoffs. So we all know the cliche, live by the three, die by the three, but the Jazz have so many good three-point shooters. When they're open, they're just not going to miss for that long. So the question is, if the Clippers switch everything, are they really going to be able to limit the number of open shots the Jazz get? I don't don't think they are. and live by the three, die by the three is is true in a lot of cases. But with this particular Jazz team, like you said, are they really going to die by the three four out of seven games? Um, 
and and the evidence over the course of the season has suggested no, they won't. And and you know, funny things happen in the playoffs. And the thing about the Clippers, this particular matchup is tough because they're a team that can probably go shot for shot with the Jazz um, in terms of three point shooting. They didn't they didn't take and make as many as the Jazz did this season, but I believe they finished, and I'm, I'm checking it now, they did finish the season first in three-point percentage. They've got a bunch of different guys who can hit threes. Um, so if it, if it becomes a shootout, the Clippers may be as well-equipped as anyone left in the playoffs to you know go three for three with the Jazz. But that there will be, I would say, at least one or two games where the Jazz – make more than their average when they hit 19 or 23s. Those are going to be tough games to win, even for the Clippers. Um, so live by the three, die by the three has been a, a mantra in the league for a long time, and there's a lot of truth to it. But we've never seen a team take and make as many as the Jazz. Um, and, and they do it at a very efficient rate, despite all the attempts that they do take. So um, it's it's true, but it may be difficult to apply to this Jazz team just because they're – they're basically not basically they are unprecedented the way that they shot the ball this season is is unprecedented obviously they set the record for threes per game and um you know they they are a dynamic three-point shooting team i think it'll continue through the playoffs i'm not sure it'll be enough to beat the clippers there's just so much top end talent there um but that amount of shooting gives you a chance against just about anybody Inevitably, the Clippers will go small, whether it's to start the game or later in the game, later in the series some point. It's going to happen. And so you've got Gobert on the other end. Who has the advantage, do you think, when the Clippers employ that particular strategy? Yeah, that's a good question, and I think you're right. They're, they're going to go small. That's kind of what turned the tide of that series against the Mavericks. And I, I think there's reason for some concern with that if you're a jazz fan or you're in the jazz organization but um the clippers going small is a lot different than golden state going small a few years ago or houston going small against the jazz in the playoffs a few years ago um you know if they play marcus morris at the five yeah he can step out and hit some threes and and that's always been kind of a weakness for gobert is is defending guys out at the three-point line um not not in the sense that the national media portrays it, because I think he's better at staying in front of guys uh, when they drive from the perimeter than people want to give him credit for. But there are times where it looks like he's he he's not as gung ho about contesting threes as you might want him to be, and maybe that's because he is you know he's he's protecting himself against the drive. Um, but anyway, uh, Marcus Morris is going to hit some threes <laughs> if he's at the five. That, that's just kind of how it goes, but. Gobert should be able to just absolutely dominate them inside. And, and Jazz fans know this. That doesn't mean he has to post up and hit hook shots and, and stuff like that. Um, he can feast on offensive boards if they're going to put Marcus Morris at the five. His role gravity will continue to be a problem. Um, he, he can really dominate the game in a way that very few other big men can because he doesn't have to dominate the ball to dominate the game on offense. So if they do go small, like you said, I, I think they will go small at a certain point to me that just that just opens up the lane for him he should get plenty of dunks uh plenty of putbacks plenty of alley-oops um you know there's a little bit of onus on his teammates to find him for those opportunities but i i do think he should dominate if the clippers go small i i think that's sort of the next step in in go bears playoff evolution so to speak so you got a long series here are you thinking six or seven games for this 
I am. I, I think these two teams are very evenly matched. Home court advantage, I think, is is huge. Obviously, the fact that the Jazz locked that up throughout the playoffs is big. Um, and I would I would probably lean them based on that. It's that's sort of the tiebreaker to me, um, because these teams are. I mean, I already talked about how close they are in terms of three point shooting. You know, the Jazz had a little bit more volume than the Clippers, but their accuracy has just been ridiculous. Um, so it's it's going to be tough to win shootouts with them. And then we just saw how Kawhi Leonard can still find that sort of terminator within himself to completely take over a series. Um, you know, Luka Doncic was all the rage of the first few games of that series, and then it was like Kawhi just flipped a switch and decided we're not losing this. Um, and we've seen that from him many times over the course of his career. He basically did that for the entire postseason when the – Raptors won the title a couple of years ago. Um, and, and when you look at Utah's roster, they've got solid perimeter defenders. I don't know if they have anybody that can really bother Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, Royce O'Neal is going to give it his all. Um, Joe Ingles will probably get some time on him. Although, you know, the other thing about the Clippers is you have to worry about, you, we have to have another guy for Paul George too. Um, and after, after, Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles perimeter defense gets kind of small for the Jazz. So there are certainly concerns there. Um, but the, the shooting that Utah has, the backline rim protection with Gobert, um, the way that they move the ball, the fact that they have four or five guys who can go off for 30 points on a given night, um, they have they have a lot of depth. They've got a lot of things working in their favor. Um, you know, I was just thinking about this this morning a couple weeks ago and really for most of the season I thought there's you know five six seven teams I think I could make a reasonable argument for winning it all I I think I'm maybe down to three and uh it looks like the Jazz the Clippers and the Nets to me and maybe maybe my opinion will change again it seems like a game-to-game thing in the playoffs maybe things will look different after tonight um but right now I, I would put those three teams kind of in their own tier so if Conley is compromised by injury how much of a factor do you think that is I think it's pretty big. Um, Utah has, on the bright side, they've kind of gotten used to playing without him over the last two seasons. He's missed a lot of time um, with the hamstring. And I actually think there are some some slight benefits to those lineups that have Mitchell as sort of your de facto one. Um, you know, if you've, if you've got a little bit more switchability at the two through four with O'Neal, Ingles, and Bogdanovich, I think that could help defensively, especially against a team like the Clippers who are also kind of, you know, big and switchable through those positions. Um, you can play a little bit differently without him, but there's, there's just a steadiness with Conley at the one. And he, he looked phenomenal in that series against the Grizzlies up until the injury. Um, his, his playmaking was kind of back to the, the Memphis level. He, he had taken a step back as an assist guy in Utah, just because that's the nature of Utah's system. Everybody handles the ball, and so the assists are sort of spread out. Um, but he had, to me, it looked like he had taken the reins of more possessions than, than we'd seen in regular season games uh, there against Memphis. And it, his his shot making has been huge ever since he came to Utah. He's a big part of that three point attack. Um, so not having him, I think, hurts for sure. Uh, but the fact that Utah has kind of prepared itself, uh, whether it wanted to or not, over the last two seasons, I think. I think helps a little bit. Um, you know, you'd obviously want your 
starting point guard there. But if there's a team that's built to withstand one or two losses, it, it's the Jazz. You know, Patrick Beverly makes a really good villain, and I think he enjoys the role. I think he kind of looks forward to it. What kind of a role is he going to have in this series and is going to be big enough that he could be the villain? You know what's interesting about that is I I think you're totally right. He fancies himself the villain, and he'll get up into Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, whoever he's asked to guard. Um, It'll be interesting to see how big of a role he has. They they basically took him out of the rotation for parts of that yeah, Maverick series. He didn't play in Game Seven. Yeah, yeah, and and Reggie Jackson. <laughs> it's it, this has been an interesting season for me because there have been three or four guys that I thought were cooked. Um, I can't recall off the top of my head if Reggie Jackson is a former All Star. I don't know if he ever made one in the East, but he was at least a guy who was, you know, close to a twenty point per game score a couple of those years in Detroit. I, I thought he was done. Um, he's reinvented himself with the Clippers. His his reliability as a three-point shooter, I never would have imagined he'd get to this point. He, he was just more of a driver to me early in his career. Um, so his, his shooting, and I think the fact that he's a little bit longer than Patrick Beverly made him valuable in that Maverick series. And I, I would think the same strengths would, would help against the Jazz. But one thing that I've always kind of worried about with Utah for the last couple years is they they have a pretty small backcourt um you know i think after the nba decided we're not going to list players heights with their shoes anymore i'm pretty sure mitchell and conley are both listed at 6-1 um and so maybe this is a series where patrick beverly can survive a little bit better because i think one of his problems against dallas is he's just he's too small to do anything with luka Doncic, and obviously Doncic knew that because he yelled it at him a couple times um so if Patrick Beverly's playing, I think he has a little bit better chance of staying on the floor against Utah. Um, but if they throw out those lineups that have Mitchell at the one and, and they force Beverly to switch on to a guy like um, Joe Ingles or, or Bojan Bagdanovich, he could be punished there too. So I'm, I'm curious to see how much of a role he plays. I think Zubats will probably have a bigger role than he did against Dallas too. Um, but like you said, they're going to they're gonna want to go small at some point because that was really successful for them against Dallas. And it's going to be sort of a... <laughs> Who can impose their who can impose their style more on the other and and I think Utah has a chance to do that. Well, Andy, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for uh, hopping on and talking a little playoff basketball with us. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Andy Bailey, NBA analyst, writer. You can read him at Bleacher Report. DJ PK, getting you up to speed on all the stuff you missed during this show. An NFL coach passing away. Uh, a guy with strong Utah ties. We will get to that coming up next. Stay with us. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The Clippers are a good team, and they're not a terrific matchup for the Jazz. If they play the switching defense, Rudy has to make them pay. And if he does, they've got to stop doing it. And then the blender opens up and the open threes and all that good stuff happens. If Rudy makes them adjust, not the Clippers make the Jazz adjust. Like, what are you going to do against the small ball lineup? Dunk on it. (laughs) That's the answer. Dunk right in its face. That is one of the reasons it would be important for Mike Conley to be involved. Yes. Not that Joe Ingles is bad at it. He can get the ball to Rudy, as we've seen time and time again. But having those play makers on the floor makes that switching defense a little more problematic. It's how you combat it. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. You know, one thing I respect about Kawhi Leonard, man, obviously everybody talks about his two-way 
ability, which is elite, but his will to win by any means necessary. There were possessions where it was guarding Luka. There were possessions where it was scoring. There were possessions where it was getting offensive rebounds, getting defense rebounds, box outs. Like, that's what leaders do. And that's what he does for that team. And he does everything. And, you know, that's a, that's a credit to him. And he's going to be a, a tough matchup for us. But we got to go out there and understand we do what we do. It's not just him. You know, they have uh, Paul, they have Marcus, they have Reggie, the guys who can really go. So for us, it's just doing what we do. Understanding they're going to be physical. They're going to switch everything. They're going to play that small lineup. But, you know, we've, we've seen it. And now we got to go out there and just execute against it. You ready, PK? Donovan Mitchell there, getting everybody ready for game one tonight. By any means necessary. Any means necessary. He will kneecap you. If you... Did you know that's a translation of a phrase used by a Martitian intellectual Franz Fanon in his 1960 address to the Acura Positive Action Conference, Why We Use Violence? No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Later, it was entered... In popular civil rights culture, through a speech given by Malcolm X at the Organization of Afro American Unity during a rally on June 28, 1964, it is generally considered to leave open all available tactics for desired ends, including violence. Donovan well, just said that Kawhi Leonard any wants necessary. any means necessary. I'm, I'm really not expecting Kawhi to start running around punching guys in the face. So Then it's not by any means necessary. Exactly my point. <laughs> Thank you. I think what Donovan was referring to, and I have not spoken to him directly about this. I've never spoken to him directly. Uh, I have, but it's just been a in, long time. in interview situations. Right. Yeah, that's an but interview that's situation. Not, that, that's There's not. no conversation off to it's the side. It's a group. There's no conversation off to the side. That's not I've had no conversation with Donovan right. Mitchell, nor do I intend to. Unless he wins it all, then I'll invite him over to my house. Well, that should go well. Let me know how that works for you. <laughs> if he wins it all? I think what he was getting at was Kawhi can defend, Kawhi can rebound, no, he took Kawhi can that. score, Kawhi can pass, and Kawhi can turn no. and chirp at his teammates and motivate them. Nice pass for a three-pointer that barely grazed the rim. By any means necessary, man. Thought that was a funny joke until you saw the look on his face. I don't think he was joking with Terrence Mann at that moment. Terrence Mann? Now, he was that famous author in Field of Dreams, was he He was, but not that Terrence Mann. (laughs) But I do think that when I hear his name. I do. He's James Earl Jones. Sweet. Give James Earl Jones another line. I want to hear his voice. Did you know that uh, sort of uh, synonyms, by any means necessary, the end justifies the means. By hook or by crook. <laughs> My mom used to say that. I always thought that was a weird expression. By hook or cro- by crook? Yeah. Were you the hook or the crook? I don't have any idea. I could never follow it. I don't know what was going on there. Never follow it? Wow. Nope. You think you would have looked it up at that point? Nope. Not doing it. The Jazz, or they have those guys who are going to be doing by any means necessary? Is that necessary? Yes. To have by any means to say? I don't think it is for the Jazz. Really? I just think the Jazz have to play their ball game, and they're good to go. Every team has its formula for winning, and it, some of them may overlap. Some of them may be completely different from the from the opponent or whatever it might, might be. But all of us, every single one of us listening right now, man, woman, child, has watched the Jazz enough. We all know. And we can see it. And I think if they do their thing... To the level that they're capable. And basically, I think it was Mike Smith said about an hour ago that they just basically have to do their average. 
do what their numbers show that they consistently do. It's not like they need above. Now, obviously, that'll help and the goal will be great if you take it. But whatever your average is consistently, that doesn't mean you are average. I'm saying what your average, two different things there. And I'm not saying play average. I'm saying play to your averages. They will win. I don't think they need that. By when I look at any means necessary, and he didn't mean necessarily mean it. He was just illustrating a point of Kawhi Leonard's uh, will to win. I get what he was saying in the context. But when I think at any means necessary, it's like almost like desperation. I don't think they need to do that. I don't think this is a desperate situation for them. I think they just need yeah. to go in the Clippers, and play the level they're capable, and the, they'll win a series. The Clippers were in a desperate situation. I mean, what you saw from Kawhi in that last series, he needed to do that. And I just wonder if he can sustain it. Because who who averages 30 points a game and shoots 62% from the floor? McCoy did that for a series. Wilt. Right. And that's it. That's the NBA list. <laughs> <laughs> Who's done that in a series? Kawhi and Wilt. So, back to your so uh, law. Gobert turn into Rudy Gobert? Or back to Wilt, your... Go, Gobert, Rudy Gobert. Wilt. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Back to your law of numbers. Yeah. And Joe Ingles so you, is coming off three poor games shooting the ball. You think Kawhi will regress? Is that what you're saying? I don't see how he can sustain what he's just doing. But what level of regression? Because he, does he have to sustain that? Yeah, if he scores 25 points a game in the series and shoots 52%, do they win the series? Right. So Yeah, they might. Where are we going with that? Yeah. I mean, you don't know Because that. I think to your point about the numbers, if you tell me the Jazz go 17 of 40 from three on average in this series... <laughs> Their odds of winning the series are really good. They shoot 17 for 40. Yeah. What's that percentage? I don't know. You're the math well, Why'd guy. you pick that out? <laughs> I thought those you had that in their, your mind. Those are about their average numbers. I mean, I can find out what 17 for 40 is for you. Well, I thought you did, you randomly picked that. I thought you had that specifically the 17 in your mind. is about what they make. So 17 and, and threes Locke per has game. often talked about they need to shoot 43s. Okay, guys, I knew there was a reason. You just didn't randomly pick the numbers. I randomly pick crap. You don't do that. <laughs> Stay in your lane, DJ. Don't start randomly doing stuff. No, I knew you had a reason behind it. All right, so I'm going to be looking forward to that. I mean, not, I mean, looking with interest. That's 42.5%. And that, as a team, that's a high number. They're probably, that's a really good shooting day. So maybe I should have picked 17 of 45. But I'm just thinking they got to shoot the 43s. You know, if they're not shooting 43s, what's going on in the game? That's interesting to me. I, I always look at the number of made rather than the number attempted. Yes. And I know you can't make them if you don't attempt them. Right. But sometimes if it's not going, I don't want to see them jack Quinn, it up. Just, well, we got to jack it up. Right. Well, they got to jack up the right kind of shot. If it's a contested That's not three, a jack up, though. Right. But if it's an open three, don't yes. pass it up. Take it. If okay. you got a catch-and-shoot open three-pointer, uh, if you're okay, if you're favored to go bear, I don't want to say everyone has to shoot that because obviously those guys don't. But for most of these guys on the team, if you have an open catch-and-shoot three, you need to take it. Even if you have a lane to the basket? I think that they will always take a dunk. If you have a lane to the basket to go dunk it, because if you average the, it's a, you know, the points per possession, we're getting the analytics, is going to drive you nuts. But if you average two points every time you have the ball, they're going to be the champions. You scored 200 points, yeah. Right. Uh, They're going to be the champions. Well, so if you have a lane. A dunk. If you, well, okay, a layup. You don't have to dunk it. Right. But if you have an uncontested layup, you got that lane all the way to the, yeah, take Unless it. Unless I would disagree if you're feeling it. See, when I say jack it up, it's like 
it's there, so I'll take it, uh, but it's not necessarily great, and I'm not hitting that particular game. Everybody knows when sure. player XYZ is feeling it. If you've missed two or three and you got a chance to go get a lap and see the ball go in the hoop and all that stuff, absolutely take it. There's a reason that's a cliche because there's a lot of truth to it. So I don't necessarily need 47 but again, if you're shooting, if you're getting uh, almost 100 possessions in a game, and you're probably not getting 100, but you're probably getting close to it, if the Jazz are shooting less than 43s, what's gone wrong? Because their offense is designed to get them in those looks, and they've got guys well, they got that's better a good looks shot. and better shots. Like I said, if they get, if 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 the Clippers go small, and the Jazz have a chance to get a bunch of layups and dunks, and when you get into the paint, you're more likely to get free throws. Great, nobody's complaining about layups and dunks. Oh, I'm disappointed they got a layup that time down. Oh, I'm really pissed. Gobert got a dunk. Nobody says that. If you're getting a steady diet of layups and dunks, and your offense is working, but your offense is built on the fact that once you get a few of them, the other team will do anything they can to take it away because they know they're getting beat if they give up a steady diet of layups and dunks. And that's going to open up the threes, and when they're there, you got to take them. But you're right. If you've got an open lane to the hoop and you got an easy two, go get it. Nothing wrong with that. We see Donovan... Uh, you know, driving that twisting layup. I mean, not twisting to the degree that Clarkson does it, because Clarkson is incredible in that way. Uh-huh. Conley's floater. In his small lineup, underrated in all of this. You know, as Bogey really struggled with the three back in January and February, and he really started going to the hoop mm-hmm. and had back guys down. Well, they're going to go small and switch everything. There may be a lot of opportunities for him to do that, and, uh, get him into the paint and get him to the free throw line. He's a decent enough passer. You know, they've got to put a second guy in him because they're going with that small lineup. So, speaking of? Yes. And so I, I don't just... think Gobert's the only way to punish that small lineup. He's a way, and they'll need to, but Bogey could punish that small lineup inside as well. But be careful with the ball. Yes. There's a tendency to get it slapped away. Yep. Don't, don't give up. Minimize, because you're going to give it up, but minimize as many easy buckets off of turnovers as possible. Yes. Your defense is so good in the half court. It's a crying shame if they get something in transition off a turnover or a long rebound because you're so good when you set up your defense. So don't let them get the the two-on-one kind of stuff. That's the stuff that's got to go away, whether it's off a long rebound or off a, a, a sloppy turnover. Right. So I don't want that. I want to see the defense set up because the defense is real good. But just play your game, man. Do what you do. Even if it's not working in a particular game, it's probably going to work in the next game. That was what that was Quinn's point Sunday after the Clippers won game seven. Game ended a little after four, I think, and he was on at five o'clock on the Zoom call. Uh, you know, play the odds. They're not always going to work in your favor. But they don't have to always work in your favor. You don't have to sweep the series. You're going to lose a game. You're good enough to win on the road. If you lose one at home, go win one on the road. If you win two out of three, you win four out of six, you're good to go. You sign off on a six-game series win right now. Take it. Uh, every team would every time. Uh, I think that also, too, the Clippers are just as capable of winning here. Now, if you go with crowd and elevation, intensity, blah, 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 I suppose it's harder, but nevertheless, no team is unbeatable at home right now in the West. Maybe the Nets in the East. 
But if you lose a home game, okay, you'll don't lost panic. It, it sucks. You lost it. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. but it's not the end of the world. No, because I think you're just e- either way. Well, since the Jazz started 0-1 in the last series and Clippers started 0-2, I mean, these guys have had this drilled into them. Sure, now the Jazz teams are better though. Yes, and the Jazz, it would be okay if they won a game one and got ahead in a series. They've lost a lot of game ones. I mean, that's kind of the standard start from. Now they've opened on the road most of the time. They didn't against the Grizzlies. They did win Game 1 when they, they played the Clippers back in 2017, but I don't know that they've won a Game 1 since then. Well, I can check, check that. it on this, too. While you're checking that, I think that every series this year will open at home. Yes, it will. I don't need to check that. But thanks, is that Coach. true? That is true. That's oh. big news if true. Well, I don't know who won the All-Star game, so I can't. That I, doesn't have anything to do with it. You're now mixing oh, sports. This is not Major League Baseball. You're screwing with people because it's after 9 o'clock. <laughs> I get so confused, I and mean, we got so much of watching baseball, and everything's going on in my mind. A big thing is when the non-Kawhi Leonard minutes, when Kawhi Leonard sits down, the Jazz bench, better than the Clipper bench. Is that why the Clippers play such big minutes? Because Kawhi Leonard played enormous minutes in that last the series. The non-Kawhi minutes. Yes! <laughs> Whenever Kawhi sits. Might be an easier way to say that. Probably. But I'm distracted by uh, what looked to me like an obvious balk that didn't get called. Got a guy thrown out at third base. Okay, but uh, can you say, well, win the non-Donovan Mitchell minutes? Yes, I'm sure they're saying that. I'm absolutely sure the Clippers are saying that. But the Jazz have the depth that they've kind of been able to minimize that. To an extent, you, you never I agree, eliminate it. But I mean, you don't have another Donovan Mitchell on your you're ball right. club. You're right. But there have been a lot of times where the bench has you know, been able to go on a run. Now, there have been plenty of times where the bench has been beat. That's too. what's awesome about this and what I am so much looking forward to is Donovan Mitchell now on the biggest stage. Now, this isn't the literal biggest stage, but it's the biggest stage in the second round. And he's got the horses to help him out, too. Because when he got to the second round before... Well, you're going up arguably against the greatest team ever, right? So what are you going to do here? You know, if you can catch a game, good luck for you. But you're not going to win that series. Now, this is the first time that he's gotten to this point where it's legitimate you can win. And I am so eager to see what he can do because I believe in this kid so much. And that's where we were talking earlier about the enthusiasm around town. And does it really peak? Because it's been a long time since the Jazz have been in a second round series with a chance to win. Legitimately, yes. Right. And they've got it now. And I really believe that in 10 days or so, whenever this thing ends, we're going to look back and say, yep, Mitchell, he was all that. Been like 13, 14 years. I mean, they won a second round series 14 years ago and went to the conference final. Beat the Warriors, who are an eight seed. And the next year, the Lakers were really good, and they got them... To six games. It was back when I was a nobody in this field, and now I'm a superstar. And I don't have to worry about you undercutting me every day like I had to then. I always felt I was just on a tryout. And I didn't know if I would actually pass the audition. By 2008, you were good to go. You'd already quit newspapers Like the Beatles when they were up in uh, that uh, last concert they gave on the rooftop in London. When John said, I'd like to thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves, and I hope we pass the audition. That's the way I felt, because I knew I was the Beatles deep down. Were you Ringo? And see, again, you try to minimize me. John? Nothing's changed. Paul? 
George. I'm a combination of John and Paul. There you go. <laughs> I'm the best of both. <laughs> Former Utah football coach Jim Fossil passing away at the age of 71 in Vegas. News that happened yesterday, the news kind of breaking this morning. Giants coach took the Giants to the Super Bowl in 2000, had the famous quote, push the chips to the middle of the table. I'm all in. Well, that's ironic, and then he passed in Vegas. He did. Actually, I think he coached one of those, was it XFL or whatnot? It was one of those leagues. I don't and remember And it was the one. Vegas team, wasn't it? Was it was the UFL is what it was called. And uh, it was the, the Vegas team. Yeah, it was the Vegas franchise, whatever you want to call it, yeah. Died of a heart attack while under sedation after being taken to a local hospital Monday with chest pains, John Fossil told the L.A. Times. And, of course, Jim Fossil was the head coach of the University of Utah from 1985 to 89. Coach Scott Mitchell had a couple of famous games with BYU, got a win for the first time in a decade. Then BYU came back and won big with Detmer, throwing the ball all over the place. I don't remember it. That was before our time. We weren't here yet. I've heard about it. Yeah, oh, yeah, we both heard about it. I wasn't here for it either. So condolences, obviously, to his family and uh, his friends in the community. Sure. All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I'm certain there is something in my closet from China, but then again, I'm not the one who's constantly preaching about which lives matter and social injustice while I'm making tens of millions of dollars from Chinese slave labor. That would be Dwayne Wade. DJ PK brought to you in part by Premier Wave. You've heard about acoustic wave therapy for ED and how it's an effective treatment to help nearly all men. There's now a physician-owned clinic here in Salt Lake. Learn how we're unique by visiting premierwave.com for more information and learn and to learn more about our special offer. Kay heard you. Kay did hear. Kay's listening a lot. What was he saying? I didn't. I was watching the game. I didn't have my headphones in. He said, yeah, I probably am wearing clothing from China, but then again, I'm not the one who's preaching constantly about Black Lives Matter. That would be Dwayne Wade. That's what he said. Dwayne Wade constantly preaching about Black Lives Matter? Well, in his mind. Oh. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. I don't know. Time for your feedback. Some of you are using the open mic. Using the app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your takes. Josh at PK, you're such a son's homer. And I'm okay with it. Just embrace <laughs> it like you're sun devils. At David DJ James, stop judging him, DJ, so he can feel comfortable laughing, crying, head tilted sideways Whoa, emoji. Where are we going? I don't understand that. Who's judging whom? Apparently, I'm judging you for being a Suns fan because I get on you for rooting for the Jazz and the Suns and the Lakers and the Phillies and the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. And the, you claim all the teams for everywhere you've ever lived. Who doesn't? You claim the teams where you live. I don't claim all the teams everywhere I live. Tonight, you have to settle for uh, BYU. (laughs) (laughs) What was that about? I don't know. I just have We've all forgot the context. (laughs) You talk about the Niners a lot. You talk about the Bay Area a lot. Yeah, but I don't root for them. Not like you do. 
It's not the same thing. I don't. I think it's exactly the same. I no, f- I think you don't root. I think you just play it up on the air, and that's why you get tweets like this. I consider myself a fan of teams that I follow more closely than others. So if I follow you more closely, I'm a fan of your team. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I root for you to win or lose, but I follow you closer. All right, I'm a cougar. Fine, I said it. So that would make me... (laughs) What are you doing? That would make me a fan of the Jazz, the Utes, and the Cougars. Uh Uh-huh. And the Aggies when they're doing well and all that. So, yeah, I consider myself a fan of those teams. But I have a different definition of fan. But I am a fan of those teams. And then, of course, if they do well work-wise, it just absolutely... Yeah! I think everybody gets that for our job, though. I don't think there's anybody who looks at us and says, oh, you root for that team because you have some big-time personal interest. No, I think there's hardcore for both the Utes and Cougars who do that. I think that's very, very few. I, I agree. Very that's few. a small I think thing. most folks who listen to us realize we root for the local teams for two reasons. Uh, one is because it's just simply much, much better for business, and that matters. And then the second one, I think they realize because we've been around a long time, we have relationships with guys, and we want to see guys do well. There it is. I think most folks get that. Tyson, the Jazz playoffs, you know, it's definitely not as big as it used to be. I think all the political stuff turned a lot of people off, myself included. And that being said, this season has brought me back into the fold, exclamation point. And see, I think there's a lot of people like that because – Last summer, and the circumstances dictated it as such, it was such a bigger deal. It was so far more pronounced that uh, because of events that happened, whereas, you know, now it's not the, the cause is still just as important, but it's not constantly in your face. I mean, did Mitchell show up and do a Zoom in, in a uh, bulletproof vest last year? Am I right about that? Somebody told me about that. I don't remember. In the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, so he's making a point. Yeah. Uh, now, whether you agree with that point's up to you or not, I don't care. Uh, but he doesn't do that now. In fact, he only brings it up now is if, is, if he's asked, whereas before he was starting sure stuff. Up, yeah. And it's now... Right now, it's about basketball, and let's hope it stays that way. And, you know, part of the deal last year is somebody got shot while they were in the bubble, and that regurgitated the issue again, and let's hope that doesn't happen. We can't really chant beat L.A. in this series, can we? Riley, unless everyone suddenly lost their ability to talk, then yes, we can, comma, (laughs) David. Well, that would probably involve having a stroke, and we certainly don't want that to happen. Man, you just got all <laughs> kinds of negative possibilities out there, but thanks for dismissing them all. Well, isn't that when? We're hoping none of you get shot or have a stroke. Okay. Uh, and get behind well, that. Would it sound cheesy, though? Would it sound sophisticated enough? Are you, are you giving the Clippers more benefit and recognition yes. than they deserve by yes. chanting that? Because that's a legendary tra- chant. Yes. As you said, you had the Boston Celtics fans chanting that in the Eastern Conference Finals. So they're not even playing the Lakers at that point. And it was awesome. Well done by the Celtic fans. It was a way of dismissing the team that was right in front of them. We're done with you. You're beaten. Move along. Run out the clock. Show the last truck ad. Let's get out of here. You're done. 
get to the main event. Celtics-Lakers. There Bird. will never be a rivalry like Celtics-Lakers-Bird magic. Yeah, the racial component that was involved in that. All those things. It was white and black, East Coast, West Coast. It was small college, big college. And they went and built on 20, 25 years of West and Baylor and Russell and, and on down the line. Just one-of-a-kind players, too. Yeah. Sensational players. We've kind of seen that at a time where there are two players at the top, but they've never had just the charisma, which Magic Johnson has more the traditional. Bird's charisma was odd, but he had it. Well, he was like, the hick from French Lick. Yeah. Magic was everybody's buddy. Loved the microphone. Still yeah, does. Right. Very charismatic. Do you like his tweet after the Lakers got eliminated? What was Rob, it? Rob Polinka's got a lot of work to do. The Lakers really underperformed. He's sticking it to Polinka. I mean, we don't know exactly how that ended. Not all the dirty laundry is aired. <laughs> but, man, that's not a tweet you send out for your best friend. He was sticking it to him. Okay. Well, uh, there's some truth to it. Yeah. I mean, they made the team worse. Now, maybe it's because of the injury to Davis. When Anthony Davis scored 34 points in Game 2 and 34 points in Game 3, they won. won. Yeah, but at the same time, Chris Paul was banged up at those games, too. He was. One other thing to note with Magic is his Twitter feed Mm -hmm. is very, very, like, down the middle. Like, straight states very much the obvious. So it might have not even been him taking a shot, him just saying something just to say something. I didn't think the team was as good as it was last year. And obviously the injury just exasperated the situation to the point they got eliminated in the first round. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're all done. Hanson Scott, you're next. We'll see you tomorrow.